0: That's stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.
1: Hi, everyone. It's Helen here, the voice of Azu, Enola, and Laverne. Today, I'm here to tell you about Woe Begone, a podcast launched on the RQ Network. Woe Begone is a weekly horror sci-fi audio drama series about the nature of power and the implications of linear time. Woe Begone follows Mike Walters, who discovers a mysterious and violent online game. What begins as an exploration of an alternate reality game with real-life consequences quickly becomes a search for the technology that makes the game possible. Each episode has a unique soundtrack composed by creator and writer Dylan Griggs. Listen to Woe Begone, spelled woe period begone, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or check out woebegonepod.com for episodes and transcripts. Have fun, and see you later.
2: Hey guys, Alex here recording from a temporary mic in a hotel room. A lot of you already know there's been a bit of a problem, and I thought I'd explain it. So in the following explanation, whenever I say the word goblins, you need to think the word asbestos. So, once upon a time it was a normal fantastic day at Rusty Towers, making podcasts and getting ready to launch the Magnus Archives. Suddenly there was a repairman at the door. He came in and with little ado, started digging in the wall. Unfortunately, he exposed a goblin lair, and released them to run around all of Rusty Towers. Fortunately, everyone apart from Alex was out adventuring at the time, but unfortunately, the goblins did run around the whole building licking things. Without the London Rangers crew, Alex had to flee, even though he sleeps at Rusty Towers, and all his things are now covered in goblin spit. Alex found Bertie's lawyers and they've put him in La Rochelle whilst they hire some mercenaries to kill the goblins, but unfortunately the only way to kill goblins is with fire, and anything covered in goblin spit also needs to be burned. So, because Alex needs to fix Rusty Towers, he couldn't actually edit a whole normal episode that week. Thankfully, he found he had a backup metacast recorded a long time ago that he had saved just in case Rusty Towers was attacked by goblins that weren't Alex's fault, and he's using that this week. So yeah, sorry everyone who was hoping for a normal episode this week. We should be back to normal very soon, but unfortunately the Magnus Archives might be delayed a bit, we're still looking at that. So thanks anyway for your patience, and we really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Welcome to a Rusty Quill Gaming Metacast! Finally! YAY! Yay. We've dead.
3: killed and eaten
4: James, so he's not here! Yeah. But I have gained his power <laughs> of volume! <laughs> we all have! <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: don't, that's,
5: uh, you, that's
2: the dog! Lydia, <laughs> L- Lydia ate Brutal.
5: <laughs> I ate, I'm sorry Brutal!
2: It was, it was necessary, but yep, today's episode is effectively How To Rogue.
5: Yeah, because uh, as you might have been able to tell, I struggled with that a bit. Yeah, another side fun thing is how to do voices, because as you can tell, Sasha is at the extreme end of my realistic voice. It's not something that I put on. It's sometimes quite hard to keep it separate. But now
2: I am partially... Now imagine being... what it's like doing all of the voices and everyone's London bass, and I have one Cockney accent, which is the... Uh, oh, oh cool. blimey, governor! That's I mean. And that's all I've got,
4: so it's, it's not great. Anyway, I yeah. say you've done quite well.
6: Yeah, and
2: slight variations
6: oh, as well. Thank you, yeah. Dan.
4: You have one voice, but you can vary it. Okay, <laughs> just, so just so it's distinct. I, I don't have to do the stupid it. squeaky
7: voice in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> <We can> stand, <laughs> I'm going to be smooth jazz. Yeah, we
2: can, so basically, <laughs> you we like, like chocolate in my ears. Whereas really. Ben
5: is just smooth jazz all
4: the time. Why? Thank you.
2: Um, so, getting back on track, <laughs> yeah. we're covering Rogues today. I thought
4: we just, just my voice. Can you
2: just be
5: Greg? Because I miss Greg.
2: I, I could,
4: but I feel like
2: it'd get old fast. Have like, a... So when
4: doing snark <laughs> attacks, the thing you have to bear in mind is the ultimate
2: theory a number of parameters that you have to hit. We no, fit, maybe not. I miss you, Greg.
4: Metacast.
2: So, back on track. Yeah. So, yeah, Rogues, principally, when you get into the history of it, obviously, it's, a, it's an archetype. It's a very, mm. very old fiction archetype, the idea of the rake the rakish one it, the... I mean it
7: started as thieves and assassins and then they, they yeah. when did they switch to calling it rogue because they didn't want to like because a thief makes people think it's someone yeah. bad and evil yeah, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. they sort of switched to rogue to try and avoid that that's the it, fun thing about you know the hobbit with the burglar
3: yeah you know, well in, in, burglar.
2: in the original um, sort of first edition for Dungeons and Dragons you had dwarf was a class and Thief was a classic. Oh, You're right, so no, well designed. No, no one picked Thief, because everyone went, I don't want to be a bad guy, I want to be a good guy. Yeah. So they redesigned it, oh, I say redesigned, they reskinned it to Rogue, and it's mm-hmm. grown since then. And one of the core things which we're definitely going to dip into today is that Rogues, it's always been this way, Rogues are big on the sneak attack. Although, mm-hmm. that's technically, we've been saying it wrong. I still say sneak attack, it's an old habit from 3.5. But, it's technically precision damage. Right, sort of flank Flank yeah damage. yeah sneak,
7: sneak attack is the name of the ability but what it grants you is and yeah. uh, so we'll so go that's
2: into that
4: like vital organ damage basically yeah. damage. sure we'll we'll go Which into why it, certain things can be immune to it yeah. because of the
2: nature of the game a lot of things are specifically Clans, worded for instance. and it make, it's important that it counts as precision rather than just generic right yeah
7: like fungus I think fungus is immune to
4: probably precision skeletons. Damage.
0: Well, um, we
2: found that a lot of things that used to be are now not, which is uh, interesting. Um, mm-hmm. They changed that in Pathfinder because people complained the rogue was underpowered. Yeah, um, reduced the number
7: of that, things. That is team. very. So strange.
2: heading through, we'll just work our way through the main list first, and then onto the more obscure stuff. So yeah, alignments doesn't have to be good, doesn't have to be evil, straightforward. I'll again say it's people who are GM. Do they have alignments? We, we
5: haven't really paid much so attention.
2: So with with alignments, I think they're a pretty limiting thing is that ultimately alignments can be useful, and if you've never RP'd before ever, it can be quite good to go, you are lawful good and, you know, but...
4: Interesting, I find that's worse.
2: But I think it, it tends to get people in bad habits very quickly. That's why. What I would say is that the game requires it for certain conditions. So what I've made a condition, it's in the rules and the house rules, if you look upon the website and so on, is that if you are wanting to play something that has a, an alignment-specific Deal. Like that, a cleric. Yeah, that's fine, mm. unless I catch you messing around with it. So if Zolf decides to go against his god and spend loads and loads of time in the mountains being really, really nice to criminals who kill dolphins, then it's probably not okay.
4: Damn dolphin
2: bandits. But yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna rule it really specific. But the main reason for that is
5: <laughs> riding dolphins through the snow. Oh, that's
4: <laughs> a much better idea than what I had. Can we have dolphin bandits? Can we fight dolphin bandits? Dolphin bandits on the list. There's yes! so many.
2: Just
5: a yes! In dire wolf. <laughs> it's a dolphin.
2: So um, dire <laughs>
7: dolphin.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Moving through. So the hit yeah. dice there, D eight. Mm-hmm. Um obviously It's pretty decent. It's actually yeah. fairly solid. Once upon a time in the older versions, it tends to be a little less and you tended to be even more squidgy. Yeah. But rogues are still considered kind of glass cannon.
5: I've got literally no idea what that means.
2: So what that means is when we were selecting your hit points originally, uh-huh. right. we were rolling dice. Uh-huh. In theory? uh, Yeah, in theory, roll dice. Again, another one of my house rules is that rather than you rolling dice and it being completely randomly allocated, Mm -hmm. what happens is you take 75% Mm -hmm. of every dice roll. The main reason for that is is it it helps with the game balancing because as much as it encourages the randomization, the idea is it actually encourages player death so that you have shorter sessions and that you vary it up Whereas, obviously, for something more long-running, that's the last thing you want. And mm-hmm. also, it would be really, really awful to listen to if Bertie had, like, six hit points at level six, and then everyone, you know, Sash is kicking around with five times his hit points, going, oh, yes, I'm a I'm a delicate little rogue who has to be quite sneaky. Also, I can take a punch better than a prize fighter." Like, it settles yeah. things down. Um, as I remember, it.
7: basically, when they switched from D&D 3.5 to Pathfinder almost every class got their hit die upgraded. Yeah, it I was, think that was where they changed it. it because it, they realised they didn't want to make characters who died really easily. It's also
4: interesting because it's just a holdover from D&D, really. Sure. I've not seen any other D20 system that really keeps it going. Stuff like uh, 13th yeah. Age or anything. that Any of the D&D kind of updates have really yeah. done away with it and just said, have your hit dice, don't abandon. Yeah,
2: yeah. I can understand the randomisation, and if I was playing just a standard weekly, oh, look, the campaign died, oh, no worries, that's fine, but we're going for something a bit of different scale, so I had to...
7: Yeah. That up. I always find that one of the difficult things about playing a rogue is that they're one of those classes, but then I kind of feel this way about every class that wants every attribute. Because, yeah. like, So I think we should talk about attributes quickly. Because obviously decks, a lot of their skills are decks-based. Mm. You know, a lot, most most rogue characters take decks-based attacks, yeah. as Sasha has. But mm. you don't have to. You can just mm. stick with strength-based attacks. Yeah. I'll tell you
2: what, let's move our way through the class skills then and go into a bit of detail. Okay. So just to list them off first, we've got acrobatics, appraise, bluff, climb, craft, diplomacy, disable device, disguise, escape artist, intimidate, knowledge, dungeoneering, knowledge, local, linguistics, perception, perform, profession... <laughs> Sense motive, sleight of hand, stealth, swim, use magic, device. Now, each of those are keyed to a specific attribute, i.e., you know, strength, um, dex. Constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. That's the one. Yeah. And normally, I would tend to see rogue characters would expect to have a high dex. Yep, yep. And a high int to take advantage of
7: those extra skills.
5: That tends
2: to be the most
7: common, yeah.
2: By no means does that have to be the way. In fact, a lot of times you'll also get rogues with a high charisma. Yep, because no, they, not in this case. Because they can work well with the bluff. <laughs>
7: yeah, um, because and so they get on. all the social skills on their yeah. skill list. If yeah. they have a high charisma, they can really
4: take advantage well, of that. I think yeah. that's another reason why they changed the name from thief to rogue. Because thief uh, is, is not a class, it's a profession. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas rogue is you do anything that's kind of a bit dodgy. So you can be yeah. a burglar, a you thief, a, a murderer. You could be a murderer or a bandit. You could be a con artist. You can you know, that's what yeah yeah Yeah, Shake gets. it
2: up. The thing with rogue as well is they get a lot of skill ranks per level. So in Pathfinder to huge I've said numbers. this before, oh, you huge. put one point in a rank and you automatically get bonus three for it being the first one you spent. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you can put one rank in every time you level up, up to the maximum number of ranks you can have in a skill is your level. Mm-hmm. So at level twenty you will have, if you've maxed it out, twenty three as a modifier, mm-hmm. which is obviously huge. One of the things that people underestimate with rogues is the difference in skill ranks per level is huge. Mm. And I would say that in shorter campaigns, people have a point. I mean, you've you've engaged with this community a lot. A lot of people get down on the rogue, saying yeah. their numbers are not up to
0: scratch. Yeah, and...
5: so I, I mean, I got a bit stressed when trying to learn more about how to play it and particularly thinking about le- levelling up. I went on the internet. Which always. Not that don't, thing. Don't advise Why that. Why would you go there? Tis oh, tis no, a, tis a silly place. Um, <laughs> and uh, there were a lot of people... like, all of the first page Google hits were like, don't play a rogue, is underpowered. Why wouldn't you be, like, a necromantic alchemist exploder person? Or, like, those guys. guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're great. <laughs> an exploder person is a rank. Uh, or a, you know, like, or an urban ranger or yeah. a vivisectionist alchemist. And there are like, oh these are all better for that specific thing, but i don't particularly mind not being
2: perfect there's there's some arguments which is, and I get it it's that it depends on what kind of game you're playing and in in something that's really really heavy combat, and there's not much else to it, and it's short, they have a point, yeah, yeah. which is that rogues excel in really specific conditions yep. i e you know you're flanking you've got the drop on them, blah blah in blah blah, blah yeah, in combat. And obviously, if you're playing lots of short ones, the chances of that situation arriving for you are actually quite slim. I find with Rogues that the longer the campaign runs, yes, everyone else gets these big, stupid, world-breaking things, but the flip side is... You are more frequently running into these scenarios where rogues play out quite well.
5: Yeah, like my favourite thing in the campaign so far has been like climbing up the side of a building, sneaking through a room, and then stabbing someone in the back in a confined space, and that's the sort of thing that only a rogue can do. Yeah,
4: and that was a hella good move. (laughs) Yeah,
5: I mean, you had to had to use acrobatics, climb, stealth. And my favourite thing, stabbing.
4: Now that's leading
2: into, here's the thing that I've encountered a lot, is that a lot of game masters don't really know what to do with rogues. So it's things like with trap finding, we'll get into that a little bit later, they'll deliberately make the rogue run off, on their own and the rest of the group are just sat there killing time whilst one person does loads of trap searching yeah. then the party moves on and fight happens and the rogue sits aside while the part it doesn't work like the way you have to do it is you have to integrate all of those kind of skill checks and that kind of dynamic I think, stuff if, in the actual fighting as well as in the day-to-day stuff
7: in my experience the people on the internet want to build a character who is extremely good at one very specific thing. Yeah. And the type of character I enjoy playing and I think makes a better game in the long run is characters who can do a few things yeah. pretty well and some things badly. Yeah. Like, it creates good story and yeah. good fun moments when... Like, I love how awkward Sasha is. like, But it doesn't stop her... Talking. Yeah,
5: it doesn't have a try Yeah,
7: in a lot of in a lot of in a lot of <laughs> gaming groups, you'd find that people would not let Sasha speak because so they'd be like, "No, you're rubbish at it. Yeah. Stop." How is that a good game?
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that I think what it exposes is something that's really, really important in not just Pathfinder but RPGs in general, and the rogue is kind of the biggest clue to this. Is a lot of people. Hear the word game and play RPG to win. And it's that, it's this is, I think this is tied into, I mean, you get the Munchkin culture, the ideas of people who are, you know, pushing the numbers as hard as they can um, and forgetting about the story. Not that
5: that's a bad thing,
4: if that
2: is the kind of game that you want to play. Yeah, that's my point. Absolutely. The worst thing is
4: when you have two different types
2: of players trying to play the same game. And what I'd say is an issue is even when you're trying to max out the figures, go for it, okay? But an RPG is not something that you play to win, in my experience, because. There's no end conditions. Ultimately, I mean, peeking behind the curtains, who is it that determines whether you win or not? Ultimately, it's me. I mean, yes, the dice rolls are there and so on. Or our listeners. Aww. Aww. But honestly, you end up with the scenario where if I've
5: played some dice rolls with all the <laughs> I I've, Both I've, you would crit everything.
2: True. Yeah. But I've, I have. I've run into lots of people who do that. Who are like, oh, I beat you. It's like, well, I'm the I'm, I'm running the world. It's not. He's like, yeah, I, I showed you. And it's like, yeah, you're not really getting the point.
4: I rebalance way... on the fly. It's like, I could kill you right now because I yeah. can just make up some numbers and they like, kill you.
5: So, I mean, there's a few of us kind of come to this from having done improvising together mm-hmm. and basically yeah. having an idea of producing story and producing games and producing scenarios that are entertaining to watch and engage with as basically the win condition. So rather than... And in, in improv gagging out, like having the one thing that cracks a scene open, which could be, you know, equivalent to sort of, oh, I win this thing because I have three rules that stack and so break your monster. That is actually, that's a lose condition. that Because you're, you've are you broken the fun, you've broken the production cycle mm. that is making more and more story, is making more comedy, is making more entertainment.
7: An end point is a failure. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You want to keep going and keep
4: building. Yeah. yeah.
5: And the others also. so, I mean, Bent played a lot more and, Built a lot more kind of games that are, I think, less numbers based.
4: I am a narrative person, which mm. you can tell from my playing of the cleric you know, like, <laughs> uh, 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 some stuff. Also, all I'm missing hurt. a leg, which makes me awful. Have you regretted that yet? Uh, mechanically, yes. Narratively, <laughs> no. Good. Mm. No. Good. It's been
5: excellent. I think it's one of the best choices again. Climb along two squares. But <laughs> yeah, and all of the games that I'd played before, or the sort of role playing, had been. Yeah, have been sort of narrative and story generating things, uh, where a lot of the time there isn't a single dice roll in the whole thing. It's yeah. just about being yeah. having a bunch of cards um, laid out and you try and make a story from it. And yeah.
2: um, so, keeping going with the list yeah. of the character progression. Yep. yep. Oh, just bad so bad we know. Bad, um, so <laughs> going through
5: rogues, but they are the sto- they are one of the storytelling things. Like that's what I quite like about all of these numbers here. They they look quite scary as a big list, but. Are actually all of them are prods for different ways that you can manipulate the environment to do entertaining new things mm.
2: that's actually a good one I'm, I'm distracting myself now environment's a big one with rogues and mm. um, if you're playing with a game master who just what you see is what you get and treats it like a computer game mm. you're gonna get in trouble with rogues quite quickly because They're not made with that in mind. They're really, really not. Uh, We'll get into it a little bit later. But when you go into things like rogue talents and things like that, Mm. they're specifically designed to engage with the environment and and to engage with NPCs and stuff. And if you're playing it like it's a computer game and the only two people that you can talk to are Mm. Bob from the tavern and Bill who works in the hospital. Great. But your skill is hunting down Mm. lots of different people and things like that. Yeah. And it, it doesn't it doesn't help you out. So running through quickly with the the base attack progression it's called is standard which means at level 1 you have a zero bonus at level 2 you have a one level 3 you have two blah 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 all the way up to level 8 at level 8 you'll get your first second attack if that makes any sense that was whatsoever. That's a wonderful way
4: of putting it. Well done.
2: So what it is is everyone with the exception of very few classes, starts getting multiple attacks to reflect the fact that they're faster, they're better, they can chain things. But your second attack is always at a minus five penalty by virtue of being the second attack that you're pulling off. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, once you get to level 15, you get a third attack because that second attack is now at six. So a minus five penalty, you're bringing up into positive numbers. And then by 20, you've got a 15, a 10, and a 5, if you were to play into 21 and epic levels um, which get a bit unbalanced, again, you're getting the minus 5, kicking in, and you're getting those more attacks. What's interesting about Sasha is we deliberately gave you the two-weapon fighting feat route. Again, we'll go into that. I'm saying that a lot. We'll go into that in a little bit. I'm just trying to hmm. go through these things in an order, but um, the benefit of that is that you get in those second attacks earlier, and you... Stabby, st- stabby. Yeah, you get all of, this, all of the extra attacks that everyone else will get, plus a whole load more, yeah. which is why you do it just blasting through with a fort save your fort save tends to be quite low as a rogue your reflex save tends to be quite high that's yep. in addition to the deck so the the game encourages you to really pump up your certain saves and allow others to, to atrophy and let other people sort of take the hit, command right? and take kind of the hit
5: a glass cannon but a really fast moving glass cannon
4: <laughs> more like a glass m16 actually there's a signal that there's stuff in Eve online there's different kinds of tanking and there's one called a speed tank and the idea is you tank the damage because if somebody's firing at you, they can't hit you. Which is effectively like yeah, yeah. having more hit points, but your hit points are actually being super fast. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of what, sort what do. Bertie's
2: doing at the moment, is his is huge, his AC's massive, but he's not actually soaking up he's lots of damage. He's got all the AC
7: and all the hit points, and I want some of it, it's not fair!
2: Yeah, you're gonna say that right up until you sneeze and set fire to a building. Yeah, yeah that's gonna be fun. And yeah, for will saves again, they're fairly standard. But heading into the slightly more interesting things, mm-hmm. the thing that obviously defines rogues a lot of the time mm-hmm. is the sneak attacks, which is at level 1, you get plus 1d6. At level 3, you get plus 2, at level 5, and basically the odd numbers, yeah, yep. you're getting an extra 1. And what that is, is that under certain conditions, you are getting extra damage on top of your normal damage. That's really important.
5: Because precision.
2: Yes, and that the reason the precision bit's important is criticals do not technically multiply Precision damage—it specifically says that—and it's to stop. Yeah, it's to stop you rolling 50 d6s on a single crit, which would break the game. So how it is is that your criticals—you roll a normal attack, like with a a, a and you get the hit and you get a critical or whatever—and then what you're doing is you're maxing out your normal weapon damage, yep. which is one of the reasons it's often better to have a stronger weapon is that your criticals are more dangerous. Mm-hmm. So as a rogue often people will pick more obscure weapons because they have either a bigger crit range yep. or will do more damage. A good example is a cookery is it requires you to have um specific training in it and it's just a dagger that has a sort of kink on the end basically. The it, daggers. It's actually I, I think they're really cool. Yep. But it just makes you slightly better at critting and there are whole bills made to maximize that. But heading into the other things that are interesting, trap yep. finding yeah is rogue specifically it allows Finding you to traps. find traps it allows you to dis- disarm magical traps and only rogues can do that not even like alternatives we'll talk about like ninjas and things yeah. like that
5: i mean we did i think in some of the early episodes that was the couple of times when things began to slow down a bit was when i went did that exactly what you'd said earlier heading off as a rogue to fix traps while everyone else waited behind but since then it's been a lot more like we're going into a place and we've got to kind of check on the fly. Well, That's a lot more interesting. We
4: can talk about this because the episode's already come out. Yeah, yeah. It is when we uh, went for the Serpentine base and you checked for traps but yeah. we were right your tail and you were just like one roll ahead of us so we were all doing it at the same time really which that's the trick and um another
2: tip for gms is to keep the rest of the party engaged there's nothing like having if your rogue gets too far ahead trapping that's fine just have something come up to the back of the party and they'll come back and it just you can end up with that situation where people are playing two very different games and i like to keep it together don't get me wrong splitting the party is hilarious but um having one rogue basically doing a glorified technical analysis of a map whilst Mm -hmm. everyone else is playing the game. It's not what it was made for really. Evasion, obviously. Um
5: Love that dodging.
2: Yeah. At second level and higher, a rogue can avoid magical and unusual attacks, basically pretty much all that. attacks. And unusual We <laughs> haven't I
7: mean we haven't encountered many of them yet, but the kind of the not classic example yeah. is The Fireball.
5: Yeah, but I like the unusual ones more like you yes. know, Billy is attacking you with a very simple sword, but he's doing it in a waggly way. Right,
4: really. Yeah, he's
5: dressed as a bumblebee. I can I can get out of the way for this one.
7: So a lot of area basically a lot of area effect attacks. If you sure. make a successful reflex save, yeah. you take half damage. Mm-hmm. Unless you're a rogue or similar with the evasion ability, mm-hmm. in which case you can dodge the damage com- yeah. completely you backflip jump, out of the way. Yeah,
5: I'd jump into some kind of extra dimensional
2: yeah, I've, I've mentioned that in episodes before. Yeah. I was always told that you uh, sidestep into rogue space, yeah. where you just two, go two-dimensional, the bad thing happens, and then you come back. Which, by the way, is totally not canon, but it's yeah. always how I think about it. Yeah. I'm
4: sure there's a prestige
2: class somewhere that does that. Um, heading ranges. on... I'm
5: sure they're all over it. Yeah, Things yeah. you
2: get to look forward to. Trap sense. So trap sense...
5: <laughs> great. Just hey, a no, vague sense of yeah, no, trap sense <laughs> is your spider sense. Oh. It's great.
2: Here's the things that rogues have great. I think Spider-Man's a rogue, because he gets... An awareness to danger, which is summed up in your uncanny dodge, mm-hmm. which I'll go
7: into, and the trap sense is... Trap sense also just gives you big bonuses against trap effects
4: and yeah. trap attacks. So when you trigger one, you're like, Oh, missed me! Oh, yeah. missed me! Yeah, I've seen this trap before, I know what's the, yes. what the score is. It's really and... good
2: that we live in a world that so many traps get <laughs> And like most of the things, the Trap Sense scales up. So it's plus yep. one, yep. plus two, plus
7: three. Then we get into Uncanny Dodge. Ooh. So this is the really nice one. Yeah, bring you this one. So you can't be... If you basically have Uncanny Dodge, you can't be caught flat-footed. Ah. So even if someone surprises you... It's Spidey Sense. It's Spidey Sense. Yeah. You yeah, yeah. still get to react. So and you don't... So obviously being caught flat-footed is bad because you lose your dexterity, to your armour, so you can... Which, you is, which is
4: just killer for rogues. Yeah, really and anyway. you can get
7: sneak attack and stuff like that. Um, but a rogue with an uncanny dodge, can't be caught flat-footed.
4: But right. you do still lose your
2: dex bonus to AC if you've been immobilised, so like tied to the floor, basically, yes. like a tangle-foot bag. Yep. And so it's really good for dealing with rogues, a tanglefoot bags. bag. But also, oh.
4: just quickly, with the AC of being 17, if you're flat-footed, yeah. your AC goes down to 12. Because you're... Oh, no, mo- it goes down to, sorry... Yeah. 13. Uh, oh, oh, no, 14, because
5: I've now got my lovely armour.
4: Whereas my AC is 18, and if I'm caught flat-footed, my AC is 18. Because yeah. he's not relying on being quick and nimble and dodging. I have no dex bonus, so I'm just like yeah. a big block of metal. And here's, Stump,
2: here's a fun hit, one for on, you. Go on, hit
5: me, hit me, go on. <laughs> yep.
2: Improved Uncanny Dodge, which yeah. you get at 8th level. This is where you get to really Spider Man stuff.
5: Is it like Uncanny Dodge, but a bit better?
2: Yep. Funnily Whoa. enough,
5: <laughs> they know how to name
2: things. <laughs> at 8th level onwards, you can't ever be flanked. Yay. Which is awesome because you Amazing. will get yourself as, in trouble as a rogue.
5: As we have discussed earlier in Pathfinder, everyone's face is, en- everyone's head is entirely encircled with eyes.
2: Oh yeah, because you're facing all directions. Yeah,
5: always Not directions. just
2: that though, no rogue can ever sneak attack unless they are like significantly stronger than you. Mm. So you can't get sneak attacks anymore unless you face a rogue that's more than four levels higher than you, Right. the number of times that that's going to happen in a game that's balanced mm. and fair... Something's gone wrong. Yeah, like, if I'm chucking stuff against you like that, it's because everyone else is in such a position that they can really help you. I never would right. have you... Like, it'd be four of you against one, and it even be then...
4: the would the, the, the campaign boss. And even right.
2: then, it's very risky as a GM. I'm going to do a session entirely on just GMing tips mm. and stuff is really risky to have your whole boss be one person because what that is is one person who, if they actually get the hit, just kill you. Mm. And all they will do is they will get the first hit, boom, and then you're down to three people and you're at a massive disadvantage, boom, the second person goes. And then it, they will just, it's like whack-a-mole, they'll just
4: work their it's way down. It's like and,
5: that freaking like, Sephiroth in Final Fantasy. At the end oh, of second, he'll do that. He just keeps... Yeah. Like, ah, i got to just Phoenix down all the time.
4: So the, the problem is as well, if a player gets a lucky shot off, you're like, ah, oh, my... my. <clears throat> my villain's dead okay cool uh, do we
2: which yep. we managed that, to do yeah, that to we was it really easy yeah. yeah do we dare to I maintain that that or... person was super super awesome but no one will ever
5: know we'll never know I mean unless she crops back up
4: right, I don't do be... returning characters and to be uh,
5: <laughs> I'm Byron <laughs>
4: yeah uh, and, well, and that was your fault basically because I, you got the drop on
5: Sorry, just stab people in the back.
4: Yeah, but that's great because that's what the rogue
5: can do.
2: And then the last things that we're heading into is the um, rogue talents. Now, there's a really (gasps) simple way of explaining (laughs) this,
5: but there's lots and they're all complicated.
2: What it comes down to is one of the ways that they have to balance the rogues out and, and bulk them up. Is that they get more feats, and to make it fairer, they have their own feats. So really, all a rogue talent is is it's kind of feats light, mm. but you get them in addition to all the feats that a normal class would be getting, mm. and it's to represent how more versatile they are and how they can be
7: more yeah. special. and they're very much tailored to rogues and the different style of rogues. Yeah. So that, that you apart can... from the fact
5: that I can take them as I did from alchemists.
7: Yes, I mean some of them. There's uh... a
2: lot of overlaps. There's a lot of overlaps.
7: Yes, yeah, so a lot of them allow you to steal abilities from other classes.
2: Yeah, and um, just to bulk you out and. And it's because people like flavours with rogues. Very few people like to play, I'm a rogue, what do you do? Roguing. Mm. They prefer to be like, what are you? Oh, I'm a rogue who really specialises in lane traps people. I'm a rogue who likes bombing people. I'm a rogue who likes dropping from the shadows while screaming ninja and knifing people. It... I
5: think Sasha's just a stabby burglar, really. <laughs> right. I looked it's... into seeing if it would actually fit burglar, but there's so many things that they don't have yeah. that I kind of didn't I didn't want
2: well, it's it's a strong addition, honestly. Like, If it's not broken, don't break it. Well. Yeah. Oh, God. And then if you yeah. hit level 20, which is it's every single...
5: unlikely, given how much <laughs> he likes explosions. So every
2: single class has a cap ability, which is meant to be super, super special amazing. In mm-hmm. the 20th, whenever you do a sneak attack, you can choose either to put the character to sleep for 4 out, well, 1d4, paralysed for 2d6 rounds, or just dead. If If you get your sneak attack, they're just dead. Nice. And they just have to make a fort save against that. And it's all determined by your cool. abilities. But I'm going to be honest, I don't tend to linger
4: on that because it's really rare that anyone makes it to that level. Why would you? Three points, D&D style campaigns probably best around about level 12 because you can do stuff, but not everything, it's not completely out of control. Cause I think to get a w- a wizard who...
2: there are very few game masters, and I don't include myself in this, who can maintain effectively... Any kind of sense of like a coherent narrative story, where the world, where the players aren't just like mm. messing all over it and and doing whatever they want for the sake of it, from about fifteen, it becomes quite hard to wrangle people. Yeah. And it's something that I hope to get as a skill, but ultimately, I've known very few people who can really keep it together
4: at those levels. We'll what? have to we'll have to do a high level one shot and see how you. <sighs> yeah. I mean, uh, we're all by, playing wizards.
5: <sighs> by that time, surely you're the kind of person that is the crime boss oh Oh, yeah like a massive sort of network of things where you can kill someone at 30 paces by blinking well it's Um,
2: always worth it's always worth knowing where you want to aim so for hmm. instance a face rogue who's pushing the diplomacy thing yeah they're the head of the mafia Mm. and they're the one who goes I don't like the way that guy looks and he has an accident at work two days later and no one ever suspects a thing and you're also loaded and blah 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 whereas if you're doing the assassin route you're the one who managed to make it through a castle into a locked steel safe room killed someone in a way that no one can tell and leave like it's it's Mm -hmm. you pushed to the max. Um, In the case
5: of a road that's into devices and solitary awkwardness Batman (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of where we're heading here
2: and worth mentioning as well, rogues are proficient with all simple weapons and the hand crossbow, so basically a, a pistol that's a one-shot really, the rapier, the sap, which is what you use to knock people out non-lethally, the short bow and the short sword, proficient with light armour, not shields. Again, the same with all other classes. You can take feats to get proficiencies in things you don't have. I strongly advise everyone who's listening to not to avoid doing that very often with rogues because a lot of the time you can break yourself.
7: There's very few classes where it's worth spending a feat on Learning how to use weapons you don't already know. Yeah. Like we did it for Bertie's build because he had so many feats, and yeah. a bastard sword is pretty good. But most. I <laughs> think so. Like it's just most of the time, the weapons you already have access to are good enough. Yeah. And that's fine. Um,
2: I think we're going to take a break there, and then we'll come back to it in a couple of minutes, cool. and then we'll head into some more some wider topics than just you know the list. Okay, so we'll uh, be back in a couple of minutes.
6: Test, test. Elias, hopefully if you hear this, it means I've found a way to record those difficult statements I was telling you about. While I hate to speak ill of the dead, the previous archivist left this place in such a dreadful mess, and even an organisation with such an unusual focus as the Magnus Institute needs a well-organised archive. As you know, I've been going through trying to digitise and record audio versions, but I've been having trouble with a few of them all. Bizarre statements. There have been sufficient distortions as to make them utterly unintelligible. Thankfully, though, I managed to unearth this old tape recorder from storage, and these cassettes, archaic as they may be, are still better than nothing. So with that in mind, I thought I'd take it for a spin, as it were. I've taken the shortest of the problem statements and I'm trying it here. Frankly, I wouldn't normally bother with something so fragmented, but it should be fine as a test. Statement of Jacob, no second name given, regarding God knows what. Original statement given July 15th, 2011. Statement begins. It'll get you too. You can stare all you want. Make your notes and your inquiries, but all you're beholding will come to nothing. When the time arrives and all is darkness and butchery, you'll wish you had stopped listening and run. Statement ends. Yes, well, you see why I wouldn't have otherwise recorded it. Not exactly something for posterity, but nonetheless... Let me know if you are able to hear that correctly, Elias. If so, I think we can begin transcribing the rest of the statements. The Magnus Archives. A new weekly horror podcast by Rusty Quail, Coming soon.
2: And welcome back. Hello. Cool. So we're now going to be uh, going into some equipment briefly. Now, here's one of the fun things I like about rogues. To be really effective, you don't need loads of cash. Yes, you can get a bat cape, which allows you to swoop down from the darkness. Can and will. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> but, but yeah. only from darkness. I <laughs> well, <laughs> so someone well, shines a torch
4: to you, you're like, oh, no.
2: Yeah, you, you just drop like a stone. Could I you don't... imagine Batman at high noon? It looked terrible.
5: Yeah,
2: it's not. It's not a good look. But the things with rogues is you can benefit from all things like that. You're gonna laugh. Promise you, you will never look back you once you get these. Rogue logs, rogue logs are great. You just get a big log, okay? And this is an important bit. You gotta carve a face into it and give it a name, right? That's really so that when
7: it blows up, you feel bad. Yeah.
2: So I had Bob the rogue log when I was roking, and what you do is you roll him down all of those corridors, all those pressure plates, all those motion sensors, all of those trip wires. And you can just walk through. It's a good way to set off a whole load of traps
5: really i mean we're in a victorian level world here i think they've kind of got the idea that maybe stepping and rolling at different motions for (laughs) Selling off traps. I think
2: the problem you've got is that you have a GM who really likes rogue logs. So now I'm going to make sure that everything is rogue log proof. Right. Okay. Well, you've,
4: you've got a trap that's like, oh, I cast detect life on you. If I detect life, I'll kill you. <laughs> well, <laughs> is the log alive? The log is not alive. Yeah. Uh, maybe,
5: maybe I should trap some kind of small animal inside the log. Well,
4: they, there is a bag. I don't know if it's a pathfinder, but in D and D, there's a bag you can pull a random animal out of. Yeah, there is. And you can just throw like sheep down a corridor. <laughs> like, ah! Okay. I know there was a campaign. I, I don't know if it's a campaign that someone told me about or you said one of those apocryphal stories, yeah. but someone had a, a pit trap and they just filled it full of donkeys <laughs> and then walked over know. the donkey. <laughs> it's it's, so it's grim. It's a grim solution. Oh, scene. it's cruel as hell. Yeah. I, was on, um,
5: I was on that Reddit and there was a thread about the worst kind of combination of class and race and professions and whatever. And I learned about Chicken Wrangler.
2: Oh yeah, Chicken Wrangler. Chicken yeah.
5: Wrangler. That's uh Yeah, so I had a lot of fun with that. Once you get to a high enough level... You've got a random chance when you reach for any item, like a one in two chance of getting a chicken instead. Yep.
2: yep.
5: a chicken? It's
2: <laughs> not one of the best ones, but then again, you're heading into in these forums. I also found out the wonderful thing: this is a very common one. Thanks to the way Pathfinder works, the common cat is almost certainly going to kill your standard bog basic human in a fight. <laughs> Just because of the way the numbers roll, cats are better than people.
5: I mean, we knew that, but <laughs> like, at fights...
2: So, yeah, it's it's just
7: one of those weird things. Are you, are you saying you could take a cat in a fight?
2: I'm saying I could. I'm, I'm saying I could if I had a 10-foot pole. Oh, flawless segue. So... No.
7: (laughs) Ten foot foot poles are useless. Because all they do is encourage trap builders to build 11 foot traps. I've explained this before. It becomes a length race. Again,
2: the ten foot pole its literally what it sounds like. It's It's a ten foot pole, and you use it for poking (laughs) things without hurting anyone. That's what we like.
4: What I want, what I like, is a trap builder who just builds traps with activation triggers ten foot behind the trap, so they poke it and then it's a rock fall. It's on a them. thing. <laughs> it's
2: really? a thing already.
4: I am glad of this.
2: But those are your two like cheap, really bog basic. Will drive your GM spare if you're an aspiring rogue with a GM who's only just getting started. It'll drive them nuts. Yeah. Obviously, you want to get into thieves' tools and get them masterwork as soon as possible because. If you're picking a lock without these tools, you're taking a penalty. If you're picking a lock with these tools, but they're not masterwork, you basically negate that pen- penalty, but you're still just meh. With masterwork, you're actually getting bonuses for it. Right. And these tools are really, really useful. Anecdotally, things I've used these to use car picking locks. Yeah, all right. Performing surgery, fixing cars. These tools are pretty much the versatile. Yeah, you can probably use that for that tool and they're, they're pretty fun other things that you're going to be wanting to look into a lot of one shot things you'll notice that sash has been stocking up on tanglefoot bags and flame vials things like mm-hmm. that they're pretty good for that especially at later levels for magic devices so wands wands are a rogues friend it's charisma based but rogues should think about pumping into use magic device at the lower levels eh? it tends to be one of those things that you start taking later where in one level rather than spreading mm-hmm. your points out you just get really good at it well it's one of those
7: things where if there's a sorcerer in the party sorcerers tend to be better at yeah, it yeah. but if there was a wizard instead of a sorcerer mm-hmm. you might well want to take And it's always worth device. more than one person being able to use it because there's true. nothing
2: like That's someone true. having an incredibly powerful thing that blows up in their face because they're an idiot and then no one else can use the incredibly powerful game winning thing because mm. no
4: one bothered to use or magic device having a wand of heal wounds of any level and then the person with the wand, who can use the wand, goes down, and people are running around with the wand going, I can't... Do you poke them with it? I didn't, do you I didn't snap it? I, go, oh, I don't know how to... Up I can't the nose! You, up can't the Can't automatically use
7: a wand if it's a spell you can already cast or something, or well, is that a rule from a previous edition?
4: Well, uh, even if that is, it means that there's already a heel caster running around, so yes. I think you don't need it.
7: Yeah. So, any so anything else that it? other
2: people would recommend, anecdotally from equipment? Uh, obviously, I would always say rope. As much rope as you can carry. Yep. Uh, I recommend spider silk because it is lighter, stronger, and just better. Mm. Um, although certain there are certain well, things. Well, once you've got a bag
7: of holding, it doesn't matter too much.
2: Sure, and yeah. um, which is obviously worth it. I'd recommend getting a handy half sack as soon as possible. I was yeah. looking
5: at like the rope of uh, climbing and the rope of knots. Oh yeah, the rope yeah. knots automatically can make ladders. Uh, You just throw it up at things, and it's like, yeah, nothing there. Oh, grappling
2: hooks. Grappling hooks, they're always solid. We should get some handcuffs. We keep needing to restrain people. Handcuffs are really good. Rope, the problem with rope is you tie someone up, and then you've lost your rope. Handcuffs are deliberately fairly cheap. But I would also say is don't forget to get a lock with them. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't, and then it's just they don't automatically have the locks in. And quality of locks is it's this weird thing where they're all useless up to something like, the rankings are up to things like excellent. And the second you hit excellent, almost no one can get into it.
4: But up to that
2: point, any rogue with their salt can. It's this weird jump.
4: See, this is this is the problem with living in a world that doesn't have cable ties. Mm-hmm. As soon as you have cable ties, you go, right, you're not getting out of that.
2: Mm. Remind me to show you, after the recording, I found out how to get out of cable ties.
5: Does it cut your own hands off? It's not. Yes. <laughs> Suddenly, <laughs> actually, yeah.
4: can I quickly segue into one of my favourite rules, which Incorporation is a sci-fi cyberpunk game. Go, go, go. Um, they have a nanowire handcuffs, which oh, are impossible yeah, nice. to get out of, but if you get it, if you break out of them, you have to roll and you lose one D two hands. So it's basically just, you can just break out of them, but you lose 1d2 hands.
2: I love that it's a dice roll.
4: (laughs) That's That's what what makes it the best. Uh, Why would you be
2: giving me these ideas anyway?
4: It's because so. agents grow back like starfish, they don't care. Sure. Adventurers do.
2: I'm trying to think. Other useful equipment. Other useful equipment. Uh, disguise kits always yep. good. Oh, yeah. Loving
5: that. I was also looking at the hat of disguises. Hat of disguise
2: is a useful one, particularly
5: it's... with Sasha's recent roles in disguises.
2: Yeah.
5: Where I just like, you just you've made yourself look more like yourself.
4: Um, also, especially for your build, you get that belt of returning weapons. Yeah. You put something yeah. in the sheath, and when you throw it next, to it, it's just back in your sheath. I mean, for any character in any game of Pathfinder, magic armor,
7: magic weapons. Like, yeah, exactly. I know it's the standard, boring, but Okay, they are you'll die. You just don't. so <laughs> useful. Yep.
2: So let's head in then to some tactics. Lydia has said this before, and it's a really good way of putting it, which is, rogues are the combat as puzzle. Tell you what, you you explain it better than me anyway. So go for well, it.
5: Well, it's just it's how I always play any kind of. Computer game. From everything from Baldur's Gate onwards, it's been that I like playing things as like, okay, so here is the room, sort of like a chessboard. I need to get to that place. I need to stab that way. I need to like sneak around here.
4: So you're like XCOM then?
5: I, I don't know.
4: Yeah, I you you're probably would. like
5: XCOM. <laughs> right. I mean, it's yeah, that's the kind. Of, it's what I like in card games. It's what I like in in, in board games. It's sure. sort of things about manoeuvring as opposed to the kind of you know in the way that Bertie fights, which is like slash bang. And he sort of quite enjoys sort of flaring up around that one action. I
4: walk up to the thing. I hit the thing. The yeah. thing falls over. Excellent.
5: Yeah. And yeah, I just I just don't see the attraction. I mean, I, I understand that it, it must be fun, but it's always about the puzzle. But the unfortunate thing is that that does come with a lot of numbers.
2: So we discussed this at character creation, which is why we went with the rogue, is that yes, there's a lot more mass to it, but it's very much what you're after. Yeah. And what it is, is the, the puzzle here is that the rogue is amazing in a couple of really specific situations. How do you make those situations happen? And the better you get at manipulating people, and I don't just mean manipulating in the sense of like, oh, I roll a dice to manipulate them. I mean stuff like fainting. So it'd be things like luring them out, making them think you're a treat, only to double back once your party have looped around, like really like getting into the tactics and nitty gritty of it. But the scenario that you need is anything that will grant you sneak attack. And that is... Specifically, oh, yeah. you're looking for things that deny them dex bonuses, yeah, so catching them flat footed the best one is always just getting the first attack yeah. in before they know you're that. there,
5: and the existence of like Bertie and Zolf as big, heavy, armored things that take some of the hits, and I run up behind. Because both of them are massive and tough, but kind of slow. So...
2: Well, eventually, I mean, I'm going to have both of them have armour that yells, I'm a target, whenever they're running around. Good morning! <laughs> <laughs> Hello! Whereas mine is
5: just sort of whispering, over there, there's a distraction. <laughs> look,
7: look. So, um, yeah. Yeah, the rogue tends to be squishy and uh, yeah. uh, sad when isolated. And, I mean, there was sort of one fight where you got isolated on your own yeah, and you and became got stabbed super, up. you know, yeah. I- ineffective, basically. But when you're fighting in a team, and that's one of the things I really like about rogues, is they encourage teamwork. Because yeah. so much of talking about getting the sneak attack, obviously surprises one, but yeah. flanking is the other main one. Yeah. there
5: been a whole load of times where Zulf's been brought in to kind of... Like, like, you came in to essentially reorder the fight so that I was then able to flank. Because yeah. they were...
4: Getting me face on. I'm just standing in there going, hello, I'm here, I've got a big stick. So getting into
2: the maths of it and how it relates to the tactics, by the way. When you score a critical hit, it does not apply to precision damage. It only applies to the weapon damage.
5: Which right now is
2: a D4, so... Yeah, That's which right now is a D4, doesn't... so there's D4 not a lot 1. Minus it. one. <laughs> Range attacks can counter sneak attacks, yeah. but only if the target's within 30 feet. But there are items you can get to mitigate this, yeah. so like sniper goggles, things like yeah. that, which are specifically designed if you want to play that sniper build. Yeah. Which, by the way, I've played before, it's really hard at lower levels. If you want to jump yeah. in at, like, level 7, level 10... Yeah go for it. Before There's, then, it's really difficult. Like,
5: what with having my bombs and the thing about thrown weapons as an option, I'm going to need to dump some stats into something about throwing soon, mm-hmm. but I think right now, stabbing is more sure. fun. Sure. And
2: okay. you can use, you can deal non-lethal instead of lethal damage, but you yeah, can't... But I don't like to. <laughs> <laughs> you can't use a weapon that deals lethal damage to deal non-lethal damage in a sneak attack, because if it's precision, the idea of you hitting with the flat of a blade, but precisely like it just doesn't gel you also can't do sneak attack damage on a thing with concealment the idea is if it's concealed how can you know where its juicy bits are (laughs) <laughs> that's that's the logic, as it were. Like
5: the bits that glow in pulsating <laughs> blue in the. Yeah. Box it's when you
2: battle. go into your
7: X-ray Batman vision and you're mm. like, aim here. Yeah. So the, and there's different ways to maximise a rogue's sort of damage output. So the path we took for Sasha was to take two weapon fighting, mm. and the idea is is that as often as possible you'll get two attacks mm-hmm. potentially. Now it does make the individual attacks slightly less powerful, mm. in that you're, you know, instead of getting a plus four bonus to hit, you're only getting a plus two bonus to hit at your current level, mm-hmm. but two attacks and two potential chances to activate sneak attack damage, when sneak attack damage is so good compared to sort of what the rest of us it, are it's doing. It's the
2: risk-reward payoff, and the yeah. maths yeah. plays out There's that been... getting the extra attacks are a really good way of doing it. It's worth noting as well that sneak attacks are where you have the advantage, so part of that is, if you have the advantage, you are more likely to hit. So the thing that people forget as well with rogues is that once you're set up in that scenario, Mm. you dominate hard because the other person's at a disadvantage and you're getting a bonus for them being at a disadvantage, which means that when you're getting multiple hits, that's just stacks higher and higher and higher.
5: I mean, that also makes it just more fun to play in that there's been quite a few times where I've got myself right into the position and I've been very happy and then rolled the things and then you get like nothing. Uh, and then other ones where I kind of got everything and knocked out someone much, much bigger than me and much faster. Yeah. So it's like, it's a nice high stakes thing.
2: I'd say, sure. yeah, I mean, certainly you have done the highest like level above you takedown so far. I mean, this isn't a spoiler because if people yeah. are listening this far, they've listened to it previously. But, but when you take out the, yeah. the that caster, mm. yeah, By I, I mean, I you your bone by knocking him prone. Nice poem there, yeah. but honestly, like you were playing it very, very well, and that's something that other characters wouldn't be able to do. Honestly, yeah. Bertie will just square up to someone; he'll just whack him. Yeah. Hamid again will be more useful at like. Hamid uh, is not
7: accomplishing much for right cause now. It's because it's early. It's, it's early it's, levels. He's still only got first level spells. But
2: it, that's that's, that's the trade
4: off. Is great. that they are all rubbish, aren't they? Yeah.
2: But you're both going to come into your own. Oh yes, f- very much. so. Um, to be
4: honest, my own is having a trident. <laughs> um, yeah. You know. So it's worth spelling out.
2: Zolf
5: gets a lot done, and Hamid provides the heart.
4: <laughs> Hammond definitely is the heart of yeah.
5: the team. Oh, oh, yeah, the vomiting definitely. and the crying of the team. That's because
4: he's, like, he's emotional.
5: Yeah, the rest of us are tough, hardened...
2: So, Bryn, I reckon you Horrible want to take because... the lead on this one. Could you walk us through now a standard attack for Sasha, assuming that everything's set up the way it should be? What should you be rolling? How should she be doing it? Oh, it's okay. been on, it's okay, come okay, over okay, okay, and okay. over and over, and a lot of people yeah. are asking, and we need to pin it down, and you're the guy to do so, it. So...
7: The first thing is is does she get to do one attack or two attacks so she currently she's level two as we're recording this um so if she gets one attack she gets a plus four bonus on the d20 roll if she's taking two attacks she gets two d20 rolls and each get a plus two bonus
2: and the way that determines whether she gets one or two is whether she's in position if she's having to move into position she only gets the one if she's in position and ready to go she gets both even if that's not a sneak attack if she's in position and doesn't have to move to do it, she gets both. That's called a full attack. It's the difference between an attack and a full attack. This is going to be a big deal later on because you know how other people get multiple attacks; they get the full yeah. attack. So a full attack action is where you don't have to move; you just wail on a thing.
7: Yeah, and yeah. you can potentially attack many times.
4: Yeah. You, get, you get your full six um,
7: seconds to
2: just so go. from
5: stabby stab to stab 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 stab. Essentially,
2: that's
7: the one. Yeah, stab stab, stab, um, stab. So obviously, in the ideal scenario. Stop. Sasha is also flanking, so is getting a further plus two to those attack rolls. Hooray, stab. Now, if she hits, the individual dagger is not great at doing damage. It's a d4 base, and Sasha's strength modifier means she's doing d4. She's only got minus one. Well, she's only got eight strength. Yeah. So this is what I was saying before. It's rogues don't need strength very much, Mm -hmm. but it can really impact their damage output. And so it's one of those ones that it's really hard to build a rogue who has good stats everywhere, which is kind of what you want. Mm. And obviously climb for a lot of rows can be a big skill. That's based on strength too. But I think that Sasha's build is really interesting and the strength penalty hasn't been too big a problem.
5: No, I mean, I could have done more damage with some of those stabs. But once you get some magic daggers... Yes,
7: it's going to get better very quickly. So let's
2: say that Sasha's taken both attacks. She was in position and she's taking those attacks. So she's getting the 1d4 for each of the daggers and then...
7: So, if she's also flanking, say, um, then she's getting an additional d6 plus one. So, a d4 and a d6, Mm -hmm. with a net plus zero, is a pretty good attack at this level. And where's that plus one coming from? So, the plus one is a trait that she took right at the beginning when we first made her character called Dirty Fighting. Yeah. Now, d4 plus d6 is a pretty good attack at this level, and it's going to go up very fast. So I think a lot of our characters are going to get significantly better when we hit third level. And that's the first time you really see a power jump based on first to second is not a big difference, whereas first to third is quite a big difference. Sure, yeah. And we're all going to look much more impressive after it. Ah. So potentially, with two attacks, mm-hmm. if Sasha is flanking, both D20 rolls would have plus four to hit. Mm-hmm. Each one that hit would do D4 plus D6 damage, which is... A lot in a, in effectively a single round. But hang round. on,
2: she critted and confirmed both, by which I mean she got an... Uh, I can't remember her crit range, 19, 20, something oh, like yeah, that. Yeah. Let's say that she yeah. um, rolled a 19 and then rolled again and it was a hit, so she confirmed it and she rolled a 19, she confirmed. What happens then, Bryn?
7: Oh, all the damage. The person just dies instantly. Um, <laughs> no, I. you don't get to double sneak attack damage, which always makes me very sad. Yes. So only you would roll additional d4s yes mm. basically
2: and depending on there's a very common house rule which is people will say that the um, damage rolls over for crit so if you get a 19 then roll another 19 you get another and another 19 I don't you, another. Like that rule. you can end up with the problem of again it's the same as having one big boss Is you end up being annihilated or annihilating in a single turn which sounds great but it makes balancing the game really difficult but
7: there, i mean there's also it's a way of balancing different weapons like most weapons have a double crit but a few really interesting weapons have a triple crit yeah which i really like and it makes them different choices um yeah. and i think there's one or two weapons in the game which have a quad crit one of my favorites i, know, I can't remember if it's in this system or a different one is, is the scythe which has a quad crit but it's mod a modified crit mean? uh so if you crit mm-hmm. you get to roll instead of 1d4 you get to roll 2d4 because uh-huh. it's a double if it was a triple, you get to roll three d four. A quad crit would be rolling for your weapon four d four. For instance, so a scythe is not a very good weapon, except if you hit
4: them just right, you do a horrendous amount of damage. It basically means if uh, it's usually really awkward, but when you yeah. get it around their neck and pull, that yes. pops off.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. pretty much. It's one of my
4: favourite things about the scythe it's useless except when it crits. Because
2: yeah. I mean, thinking back so the first character I ever played in a tabletop game was a rogue, and honestly. I didn't know what I was doing. I was playing with some brilliant people who just walked me through it, but I ended up they they helped me, and they were a little bit of a munchkin lot, not not very hard, but they, they liked the numbers. and I ended up playing something, and it's, it was long story short, it was built to make advantage take advantage of crits, yeah. so eventually yeah. it was everything was going into crits, so pretty much every attack I did, and the reason for that was that GM adamantly said no crits roll. So they roll over, and everyone went. "Ah, It's a way to make the road work. So we ended up. There also
7: used to be a lot of ways to expand the crit range, which is what we were doing. One of the updates, they reduced the number of ways you used to be able to with not with too much, out too much difficulty, expand the crit range. So anything at twelve or above. Threaten the crit. There yeah. are a couple that Whereas double these bit, days yeah. these days you can it's very hard to get your crit range past 16 because
2: mine was as standard it was something like 14 or 15 yeah. and also I had a way to get extra minimum damage and things like that so it was effectively like one out of every three times I was swinging I was Critter. killing the thing yeah. but the flip side was is this is one of the reasons that I've been sort of Trying to walk you through the roguing thing of it is, I died nine times in that campaign, <laughs> and how it worked was we had a we had a, a good friend of mine who was playing a druid, hmm. who can bring people back, but they don't come back the same. Yes. You roll a random dice, and like there's a 20 30 percent chance that you're just the same, and all the rest are all the other races with one hundred, which is something I got once is. What's the worst race you could pick for the character? So this creature that I played... You're like an
5: ogre
2: race. I had gone through... I, mean, let me, I, can't, I probably can't remember in order, but it was something like... I went human male, human female, bugbear, which yes. is an incredibly oh. stinky, short <laughs> yeah. creature, cobbled. Yeah. Um, I then went via something... I can't even remember anymore. Something incredibly obscure that the GM picked. Um, and then eventually made it back to human at the very, very end of the campaign via some other things where we just agreed that we'd Google image the word man and the first image that pops up was what it looked like. Christian Bale. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lucky save. But given the fact that I was also playing a Batman character. Nice. The Scarlet Avenger. The worst name. But it was deliberate. It was ironic, you see, because I was really cool. I was
4: at uni, so oh,
7: it was really cool. Wow. Right. Ah, nice.
6: <laughs> yeah. I, it's, a,
4: it's a very... 19-year-old name. So yeah, very much. In a, in
7: a long-running campaign I had, a f- friend of mine had a very interesting rogue build where he had a couple of levels in Fighter as well, and he maximized two things about his rogue. So he was playing a social rogue. So he had a high charisma, yep. and he took all the social skills. Mm-hmm. And he absolutely ignored everything stealthy and trap-based. And he had big armor and a big sword, and he looked like a fighter. And what he did is he found a way to maximize the ability to faint which is a combat move, Mm -hmm. which comes Uh, off your bluff check. And if you succeed at your bluff check, you automatically get a sneak attack. I um... I don't think it's necessary or good for Lydia's build, but it's a different way to go. And that was, as I said, was a very social rogue character. and He Mm -hmm. ignored all the trap stuff. And I think, you know, he built that character to be good in two situations, fighting Mm -hmm. and talking. (laughs) But there are other situations which Sasha is
4: good in. Investigating or- and exploring, and I think that's more interesting for the current. shop sure. Although the thing is, with the amount of skill points you get, yeah. and the fact that your charisma is only at a minus one, so you, you yeah. put yeah, in a couple yeah. of ranks, and suddenly your blood check is actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, once but you, you once, you're, once you're once you
2: hitting level five, I you're getting. Right a minus now, it's already one four four. Four. All. Yeah. yeah. See, that's yeah. the thing; it's not yeah. terrible. So, last thing to consider is yeah, backstories for rogues is we were discussing it a bit, like heading in towards mob bosses or yeah. assassins and things like that. And it's very easy to come up with something fairly bland for a rogue, mm. which the the bland ones tend to be, "Oh, I'm not really a criminal, I've been framed, but have to be a criminal, which yeah. is yeah that had been done a lot, and the other one is that you know stone cold, yeah, evil killer, which is fine up until the entire party go no, we don't we don't want to kill the the people we want to be nice, and then that doesn't fly, so it's always
5: yes per <laughs> okay,
4: hey, I have a legitimate reason, yeah. A big man is telling me to do it. A big man in the sky with a big beard is going.
2: Except I kind of get it. I mean, in this world, he can he can squash you.
4: Oh no, there's literally a
2: big man who (laughs) can heal people. But well, you were saying Lydia. Uh,
5: well, I wasn't. Uh, but I can. I can do that <laughs> thing with my words. I mean, I thought that it would be interesting to do a sort of Oliver Twisty type thing. And, I, I
4: never saw that. And, and that absolutely makes sense. <laughs> I mean, it is.
5: It's So it's essentially. She's not Oliver Twist because she's one of the like you know the other faking like, like an artful dodger, but like not artful. Um, <laughs> And so... The incompetent dodger. The, well, not incompetent, but just... like The awkward dodger. The awkward dodger, yeah. There you go. It would have been, I think, quite easy to sort of do her as a face character that's just like, I've lived in lower London and upper London and, you know, I've swung my way through these really cool things, but like I like the idea of someone that has these skills and quite enjoys doing them, and that's what she's good at, but is still kind of morally completely neutral. like sure. You know, that hasn't necessarily become a burglar because she just likes things. I don't know. I mean, she is quite a neutral... She's a bit of a blank slate, but I kind of like that. Well,
2: it's an intentional slate.
5: Yeah, it's a... I quite liked the idea of having someone that was very awkward and a bit ignorant because, frankly, I don't know much about the system. And it's quite fun to have someone that can ask questions about the world. Mm-hmm. But to have someone that knows about kind of the, the dark and the underworld. But not in a kind of cool, like, hey, I'm Gambit. Like, sure. bonjour, <laughs> hello, look at my cards, mon card.
2: Interestingly, I'd say that Sasha's backstory is probably in more depth than everyone else's. Um, I won't go into it here because, you know, that's the point of the campaign, among mm. other things. Tips for people who are building a rogue backstory. I would make sure you have a really good reason to stick with the group. You can discover it Mm. like early on, but make sure you have a reason because the thing with rogues is that everyone always wants to say with the rogue I'm the lone wolf. I'm the lone wolf, so I go now. And it's Mm. fine if they're willing to re-roll a character every week and everyone's willing to put up with that. But honestly no one is. So find a reason to stay with the group. And if you don't want to play Mm. like with the group, play it play a computer game. Yeah. Because that's kind of the point is playing with the group. And similarly, you're gonna want to make sure that you tie in with the point of your group, as in, are they good? Are they trying yeah, to I uphold the law? Really are important. they trying not to bring it down?
7: Not just for rogues, but for any, is to build a group that want to stay together. Yeah, because it's just it, help, it helps have a good game. It helps have a good story. I'd obviously, say, yeah. this
4: is for new people. Like when you have a group, of people you know, you know, obviously play with the rules. You can yeah, have some really yeah, interesting stuff with groups which roll up against each other, uh, yeah. like ethically yeah. and morally. But yeah, for 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 starting out or if it's your first game, well, you, you can, can have. have intergroup conflict without it splitting things well we've done that
2: part. we've done that before but I think rogues lend themselves most to those kind of problems is because people still have that kind of thief mentality of
4: yeah. oh I'm a thief therefore I am bad well, they're, they're literally like, the rogue they are the yeah. morally ambiguous class sure
5: yeah uh, like and I've I like we entered the story with her fleeing from an active threat whereas I think most other people it wasn't quite a kind of flee in terror scenario so she comes in and is you know the people in the group happen to kind of have her back and rescue her and it seems like the safest choice at the time but you know i think the the idea of not being entirely certain she wants to stick around was relevant for a while but then it's been quite nice to have some conversations where it's just like actually no these these people are She's quite enjoying the company and it's nice to have friends for just about the first time mm-hmm. uh, and have motivations to, to stick together. So I think that kind of tension is an interesting thing to play off against.
2: Mm-hmm. I agree. And the only thing that I would say avoid at all costs, this isn't for Lydia, it's for everyone else, loot is not a shared motivation. It will only stretch you so far. Yeah. Please. Well, for, except for Pick. Bertie,
5: who... It's, Love yeah, but he, he
2: he managed to make the most complicated way of searching for loot ever <laughs> with so much baggage. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. I think we've covered everything that we need to there okay. and I'm... Yeah, I think we've gone into a nice amount of depth. Once we get a moment in between all the other stuff we're doing, we'll do we some... We can always
4: discuss it further on the forum. Yay.
2: Oh, yeah, do go. And,
5: and tweet at us.
2: Or
4: send us an email. Yep. Oh, yeah. So the what's the Twitter handle?
5: Uh, the Twitter handle is uh, at the Rusty Core. and if you send questions and comments and things via that
2: and if you drop us a line via mail at rustyquill.com we will always reply Yay. and of course we've got the forums which are still um, mainly run by our good friend Bryn over here who's doing a yep.
7: spanking job. I post all the time yep. and no one else does and I'm so lonely. That's not, hey, true. You know, That's not
5: true. Sasha loves Twitter because the, the character limit means that her <laughs> awkwardness kind of is, is hidden. It's, she's found a new life Tweet pictures.
2: Thanks again for listening, as always. And we look forward to putting out more content for you and hearing from you really soon. Goodbye. Bye. Rusty Quill Gaming is a podcast distributed by RustyQuill.com and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial International License. Today's episode was recorded and produced by Alexander J. Newell. To comment on episodes, make donations, and view links, images, videos, and show notes, visit rustyquill.com. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook. Tweet us on Twitter at The Rusty Quill, Or email us at mailrustyquill.com. At Thanks for listening.
5: The, um, the rope of rop, the rop. Uh, you say tomato, I say rop. Uh, the,
4: the... I feel like saying you say tomato, I say tomat.
3: <laughs> when you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.
1: Hello all, it's Helen here, the voice of Azu from Rusty Quill Gaming and the host and director of Enthusiasm. Today, I'm here to tell you about... The Programme. The Programme audio series is a science fiction anthology podcast set in a world where money, state, and God are fused into a single entity. Every episode is a standalone story featuring ordinary people inhabiting this extraordinary world. And for them, it's not the future that is terrifying, but our present. The Programme is sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, but it is always smart. Find out more about the programme at www.rustyquill.com or www.programmaudioseries.com or search for The Programme Audio Series wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have fun and enjoy the episode.